Welcome to this month's episode of APS Radio. I've got two special guests. You may recognize one of them, maybe not, because last time she was on here, she had red hair. But we got Stephanie White from Fairfax Local 2702. And we also have Mitch Nation, who's the president of Local 2598, and Prince William County right next door to Stephanie. So welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. So Stephanie pitched me this idea and I loved it. It was unique. It was different. And it's just something that is a big issue within the fire service, but it's not something we typically really talk about. One of those other things that it's easier to just look the other way oftentimes. So the topic is sexual harassment, uh, but this is not going to be your typical HR you know, somebody screwed up and, and now we got to sit for six hours and go through this class. So with that, I will tag Stephanie in. Go for it. Thank you, Jim. Um, it's actually local 2068. Not that I don't want that other local getting all the good credit, but you know, someone will come. We should just start over. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, so actually, the reason I hit you up probably about two weeks ago was I was at home sick and I was watching the movie about um, Fox News and just the sexual harassment they had dealt with. And there's a scene in there where Megyn Kelly, who had been harassed for many years and just kept her mouth shut for her career's sake, um, an intern who had been through some pretty horrific stuff was looking at her and she started crying and she said, uh, you could have stopped this years ago. You could have come forward. Why didn't you? And that was just... It was a kick in the gut, I think, for all the females who are are in the generational ladder of of having worked through the keeping keeping quiet about things um, without coming forward. So I thought, well, how can we best um, talk about this without going back? And you see, I think when women talk about sexual harassment, I think they've reached the end of their rope, and so it then becomes this big bombshell that that tears departments apart. Um, you know, LA is going through it right now. And I, I didn't want to do that. I don't want to tear departments apart or talk about a very divisive subject. So today, I think uh, what we really wanted to cover, as you already stated, was what you don't hear in that horrible six, eight hour boring HR thing that really we only get, we either get yearly and then we get the really big one when someone screws up and we all kind of pay the punishment. And I feel like in that six, eight hour class, when we're all sitting there, we walk out um, very divided. You know, the guys kind of avoid the girls for a while. And then the females are then mad at that one female. Oh, you know, great. You put the spotlight back on us. You made our life harder and nothing good ever comes out of that situation. Uh, so some poor female has stepped forward, be it a right or wrong situation and nothing good normally comes out of it. So uh, today, I just want to talk about the fact that, you know, we have to be realistic. We're in a firehouse for 24 hours. We're adults. Um, we're seeing horrific trauma on calls. You know, we're doing CPR on a dead baby, and then we're, we're going back to the firehouse, and our humor, therefore, becomes extreme. Um, so how do we set up an environment where male and female alike can sit next to each other, feel comfortable enough to have a joke slip out that maybe is one step too far and then to have the shift or the female whoever be comfortable enough to say hey 
you know, one step too far, reel it back in and to have everyone be okay with the situation and find a defined boundaries because we don't talk about that. We simply say, everybody's got a no, no zone. Nobody touch it. Nobody tell any sexual jokes. And we leave it at that. And that just leaves us all navigating this from a blind walking together. And it's ridiculous. Absolutely. Now, how long have you been in the fire service at this point? Um, 17 years, 17 years. So I've seen in those 17 years, more than anything, a lot of behavioral health and also cancer improvements, you know, just the stigma regarding those have dissipated. Have you noticed in that same time frame, you know, the sexual harassment has, has, has that happened on the same trajectory or is it still kind of where it was? That's a loaded question um, because I think some individuals out there know that certain generations of women are, I hate to say trained, but we're so more used to not talking about things. So if you're going to go say something inappropriate to someone, they might be the one to say it to. So that is my experience. But then again, I get the feeling that if I were to ask a female with five years in or two years in, that they absolutely would probably tell you that there's an absolute change in culture, not change in the county and HR and those things, but hopefully a true change in culture, not just fear-based. So I I think it depends on who you ask, if that makes any sense. No, it does. It does. And I apologize for a loaded question, but, uh, I figured we're gonna have a couple of those in here. That's fair. It's fair game. Um, With those 17 years, I'm sure you've been in situations or your fellow female firefighters have been in situations as well. Is there any kind of case studies that you would have to where things, you know, were being able to be de-escalated or they progressed and they went downhill really, really bad? Can you kind of compare how things can go good and, and I guess bad as well. So without getting into too many uh, war stories, because that wasn't um, one thing I want anyone who listens to this to walk away with is definitely not here to beat up the fire service um, in any way, shape or form. This is learning, growing, Hey, how do we get better as a fire service? But unfortunately, I'm, I am going to have to tell a war story too. Um, so interestingly enough, probably about two years into my career, I had a situation with an officer. I'll try to keep this story short. Um, who, who my very first day said, Hey, um, for whatever reason, I don't like you. I'm not going to like you. We're not going to get along. And, uh, I absolutely found a way to, with paperwork and with everything else to, uh, to make my life a living hell. But what was interesting about that situation was the guys on the shift all noticed it. And one by one by one, about five different guys stepped up and just each and every one went and said, no, this disparaging treatment isn't okay. Um, And one by one by one, they each got punished. false accusations were made, their careers were starting to get screwed over. But it was amazing to see that they still kept stepping up to say, hey, this situation isn't correct. It's got to stop. 
and I walked out of that assignment. Um, it's a hysterical, but not great story. It went on for about six months and it, it culminated in someone finally calling a deputy and saying, Hey, things have gotten physical. Things have gotten way too far. But when I walked out of that assignment, I didn't walk out hating the department. I didn't walk out with an absolute bitter view on the fire service. I walked out having seen five of the guys who ride on that engine with me having just fallen on a blade for my career and, and for the right thing. Um, and that made the difference in crew continuity and how we performed on calls. Um, and just how I viewed the fire service going forward. I then walked into my next assignment, which was an amazing assignment with amazing guys, without having any kind of defensive anti-male hang-up, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And just... go ahead. Hmm. I'll wait for your question. <laughs> it seemed like you were going to finish that thought and I stepped on you. Um, no, it's just, I was going to finalize it, that that's a case study in a situation done right, but that's not the thing we ever hear about. That's not the thing that makes it to the news. That's not. And I would like to think based on 17 years and having unfortunately had that happen more than once that that, at least in my, my area, my department, that that's the, the norm and not not the exception and that's the correct way to have it done but we don't hear about that sure sure now let's bring uh mitch into all this stuff how did you end up meeting mitch to begin with mitch is the president of the local of the county that is right next to mine and i actually started back in 2003 there as a volunteer um and women were a very very rare thing back then in 03, career, career staff to women. Um, and some of the things I noticed in that county, I knew they were very similar to my county, but maybe a year or two or five or 10 behind because they were way fewer females. So I knew it was something that he had probably heard of, seen, experienced, and would have similar outlooks on. Okay. And, and Mitch, just, just kind of to get everybody's perspective, how big is your department? So um, uh, Prince William County is just south of Fairfax. Um, we like to say at an hour south of D.C. We don't like to reference our big brothers and sisters to the north. Um, we're the second largest uh, local, the second largest department in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So about 750 to 800 uniformed, um, 25, 27 firehouses now. Uh, that we're running three-person rigs. Uh, we're uh, Firebase EMS also. So large department. Nice. Good deal. And going back to 2003, I, I imagine it's probably similar to really a lot of departments, including my own. Um, not that many women back then. Has that gone up um, substantially since you know, in between then and now? You know, it absolutely has. I was hired in 2005, so similar time frame to, to Stephanie. And I'll say is that one of the questions you asked about earlier is like, have, have we seen advances in um, uh, safer protections, whether that's our, with our PPE or better knowledge around cancer or just health and wellness? And have we seen that same growth in awareness 
around harassment. And I think in some ways you could say there has been natural progression simply because of exactly what you're asking. The fire service is starting to actually reflect the communities that we serve. And so for us in Prince William County, yeah, we no longer have two females, right? It, it's, we have a large number of females. And so you take this microcosm of society, they, you throw them into a room for 24 hours, you then throw in a bunch of dark humor associated, you know, that uh, comes with um, the profession that we're in. And you're going to have, and look, it doesn't always have to deal with, uh, you know, uh, sexual harassment. It could just be political, but you're going to have tenuous discussions, right? They're going to cross lines at times. And what's the change that I have actually started to see more recently is conversations like this to say, we can talk about some of those things. You don't just, and that's why I think how when Stephanie first kind of pitched this idea about having this discussion, it's like, well, you know, what is that going to look like? And, and she said, it, what it's going to look like is just a conversation, just like we've had attending IFF conferences together or, um, or, or the like, where we can have a civil conversation about a uncivil topic, if you will, an uncomfortable topic, if you will. And start to realize, and, and when I ask someone or like, what's, what's the best thing that I could do, not just as a union president, but as an officer or just as a fellow firefighter, what's the best thing that I can do in a firehouse to, to address the situation? And, and guess what? It was not attend a six to eight hour class and sign the roster. That's not how you do it. It's starting to have these conversations. And the first step is listening to the stories so that just hearing what she just described is that I now have a positive roadmap of what I should be doing is stepping up when I see things occurring, right? So um, and, and I, I digress, but that, that really caught my attention as, as you started to say, how has this changed? It, it has the prevalence, unfortunately, of sexual harassment maybe has gone up by volume simply because of the volume of females, the actual number of females. But I hope that there's actually been also a change in our culture to be aware of it. And more importantly, to say, it's not right. It's not okay. Perfect. Talking about that change of culture, I know, Stephanie, you've done so much regarding uh, just reproductive rights and, and, and fighting for maternity issues and, and policies throughout your department. Is this something where, have you had the opportunity to actually go out to to a recruit school or, or just kind of early on in the career and, and basically kind of coach these women coming in, you know, this is how you can head this stuff off and, and just kind of try to get through things and not make a huge big deal about it. So we did that once, I think in 2007 or 2008, um, that I was involved in and, uh, was never involved in it again and the present the premises of the conversation was um you know be respectful of everyone around you kind of thing but don't let people pick on on other people if you hear people spreading rumors stuff like that cut it off at the past and I don't think it was a very uh I'm not sure that the higher-ups were necessarily okay with new people being confronted with the uglier side of of shift work right off the bat so that is something where I think one of the greatest things to come out of all this political 
discourse that has been uncivil is we're now as a fire service and as a nation becoming more uncomfortable and becoming more comfortable with uncomfortable conversations. And so I think hopefully that will kind of break through into, hey, you know, let's, let's start to have uncomfortable conversations up front because people should know what they're walking into and they should know that they're going to be the generations that, that change it. So, Hey, I'm not saying you're walking into this situation. You don't even need to reference the situation. Just walk in and say, Hey, everybody treat everybody this way. It, it doesn't need to be a negative conversation. Wish it was that simple. Just go walk in and go golden rule. Everyone don't be assholes. Exactly. Mitch, have you, have you guys been able to do anything? No, I mean, I, I think probably like any large uh, department across the nation, you're going to have your mandated training, right? And that mandated training is going to come just at regular intervals. When you get so large, you're just going to realize that this is the national trend and this is what needs to be done. But that's just checking a box, right? You are then, unfortunately, obviously, will have what some would claim to be knee-jerk reactions to the negative situation that does arise, right? And Virginia is an interesting bird with us having um, currently, uh, no one's got a contract yet, no collective bargaining rights, right to work state, is that we, even as a union president, I don't have that direct influence over discipline to, to get into when I can, you know, can see an interview being done of an investigation. So the rumor mill is what fuels that, right? Which is just, it moves fast and it doesn't move factually. Um, and so, but at the end of the day, it occurs, right? So you, you can act like, oh, we're doing this private investigation and no one else knows about it. No, everybody knows about it. They can read whatever, whatever staffing program you use and see that folks are in meetings and they're doing these sorts of things. And so, but th that's not, I, I don't believe when you get success, like real success in changing a culture in response. Instead, it is, is having these real organic conversations, which are uncomfortable at times. I mean, the first thing that what I've tried to do is what I've been trying to do here just now is just keep my mouth shut and listen, which is difficult because uh, I love to talk. Uh, but what I, what I, in doing so, come to realize is that, wow, this is not such a rosy environment that I see it through every single day. And you start to talk to a female or two and they say, oh, yeah, I, I've had folks, you know, send me a, a text or, or call me up in an inappropriate way or say something to me. And I Ooh, I, I didn't even know that. You know, I, it blows my mind. So, but that conversation now start, starts, to, it makes, it gets into my face to say, wow, this is more prevalent. This is not something from afar, right? It is here. It's insidious. And so my inaction is an action in and of itself. And so maybe when you hear a joke that could be, as Stephanie um, alluded to, right on the border, right? It's, it's, it's questionable. But it's a lot more questionable if you know the background is the person making that joke also made an unwelcome advance on somebody or had previously sent a picture to somebody or something along those lines. And so that context matters. Um, and so, but I think that's where some real learning can occur. It's through sharing, having the uncomfortable conversations. That goes um, right. Let's go ahead, Stephanie, please. It, it's funny that, that Mitch talked about bringing, uh, looking up phone numbers. My very first day in the field, the day every new graduate's looking forward to. I already knew that my captain had said, uh, you know, this is, this is horrific. 
this is going to be my last rookie and my last rookie's a female. So I already knew I was walking into a interesting environment. And um, I got a phone call on my cell phone. It was still the old brick phones back then. And, and I, I told this person, well, how did you get my number? It was someone from the field who had come in contact with me in the academy. And they said, well, I looked it up on, on Telestaff. And I was livid that this person had called me. Um, and so one of the first things I had to do with this brand new captain to me who didn't want a female rookie was I had to go say, hey, someone's looking at my phone number calling me. I don't want them calling me. How do I remove my phone number from wherever he got it? And that just set off the tone for that relationship was I knew it was going to be a chick. I knew she was going to be trouble. And here I am, unfortunately, having to prove that just to protect my privacy. So it is funny that you say that. Um, and with the rise of social media, I've, I've walking into firehouses or having people approaching me saying things about other people. Um, we're now seeing people pulling up someone's Facebook page and we all, we all do it. We all hear names say, oh, do I recognize that person? We pull up the page. But now when you hear an especially attractive female or something like that is in recruit school, what does everyone do? They go pull up their social media pages. So we've actually made access to female coworkers uh, way easier and um, way more, I hate to use the word explicit, explicit is the word that comes, but more explicit. You now have access to their bikini pictures, all these things via social media. Um, so where are those lines now? Because it's, someone posted it, it's out there. It's, it's their personal page. If they didn't want a picture to be seen, why would they have it out there? But should we really go searching for these things and spreading rumors about someone who hasn't even gotten the chance to prove themselves yet? You know, where's, where's the, the attrition date on that? <laughs> when is it appropriate to go looking for those things? per se, and that's kind of the new thing we're dealing with. I did not have to deal with, and I think Mitch would back me up on this, we did not have to deal with the uphill battles that you had just walking in the door. And and regarding all this stuff, we are, <laughs> I'm willing to bet everybody would say I here. A lot of times we are worse than we were in high school. It's a combination of uh, some days middle schoolers meets grandma on the front porch with rockers and the, the, uh, the gossip. Some days what it feels. But going, oops, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Going, going back to that, that kitchen table joke environment thing, um, just to brag a little bit about my shift, um, we might not be the most compliant shift when it comes to appropriate jokes but we just have this fantastic environment where anyone by anyone i mean females anyone can say hey oh whoa whoa too far that was too much and nobody gets offended nobody gets argumentative and the joke either dials back and keeps going or it the line of conversation is dead and we just start a new one but there's never any animosity about someone saying hey that was joke crossed the line just a tiny tiny bit um and there's never any nervousness i think between myself and the other female on the shift about saying 
because we know that we're going to get met with a res respectful attitude when we say that. And how do we create that environment is, I think, the question of the day of how do we make it so that, you know what, we can come to work and if we need to tell a bunch of raunchy jokes because we're having the worst day of our life and we just saw some horrible things, we can do that and no one needs to be terrified of their job. How do we do this in a safe and fun manner without having to act like it's a church sanctuary? So it sounds like the goal, if there's a conversation going on, jokes being told, whatever it may be, is if it gets too far, you check them, you know, they have the choice of letting things go, no big deal, and moving on and not holding any animosity or holding it against you and and things would be okay but it's when they hold it against you or continue to push it that's when you know the line is crossed and it goes from there pretty much to, to sum things up is that is that fair try i might be i might be trying to simplify things too much no no you're absolutely correct we've all made the joke for ah well fire department went downhill when women joined but some people <laughs> Some people will actually believe that and hold that against you. And so how do we as a shift force that thinking out when it, if it is that one, one or two holdouts on the shift and create that comfortable environment? Because we all, I think, still know males who are uncomfortable joking around females because that six to eight hour training has taught us, well, if you, if you say anything at all, all our asses are going to be in IA, which yeah. is unrealistic. It's just, it's not a way to live a life in a firehouse. You know, I, I know Mitch, you mentioned just how open we are now. And we just talk about things that we didn't talk about before. And I see that all the time, especially regarding behavioral health, because uh, that's just more often than not, we're talking about these calls. We're not just internalizing everything. So it's just a matter of being able to have these calls or, or these uh, conversations as open as well. And that's, I don't know if we're quite there yet, but, but talking about being just having everybody from the start know what this is. And you talked about the, you know, the curriculum for the recruits and when they come in and how there's, this isn't part of it. And if it is anything, it's part of like the very last week, you know, the, the bonus material, the really the stuff that truly matters, but it's not the official stuff. And I get to do that with, with my recruits. I, and it's at the very end. It's the last week. It's now we're going to talk about peer support, behavioral health. Now we're going to talk about firefighter cancer stuff. Now we're going to talk about uh, finances and making sure you, you know, don't put yourself in a hole and you set yourself up for retirement. Those are all three things that I get talked to last week now. And, you know, talking about sexual harassment and just being open and honest and, and, you know, checking yourself, um, that could be another part, at least of nothing else, of that unofficial training for each recruit academy. Well, and why isn't it, why isn't it that we don't have senior people during our CEUs coming in and having a roundtable open conversation, maybe doing a smaller in-service training of, because we did um, at one point do smaller in-service trainings and we had a, a newer EEO officer and this poor woman came in uh, to our firehouse and it was the scene from Rescue Me 
all over again what we did to this 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 poor young lady um, were there any EO training because the things she said to us were that ridiculous um, why don't we have a, a double duo of a, of a senior male and female coming in and saying all right honest, honest conversations we know this is what a, a firehouse kitchen table looks like why can't it continue to look like that and how do we make everyone feel comfortable instead of okay we can't make this joke you can't make this and just going down the i mean we've all sat through it it's horrible the eeo training is absolutely unrealistic and horrible why don't we at this point have a better more realistic version we've we've been hiring females since the 1970s in our our area i know other areas are i can't even imagine what it looks like for those females who have just been the first one or two females hired we have an innate refusal for some reason when it comes to this subject to be realistic about it, but it's the convert, it's the topic that has the ability to land us all in the news. And that's the funny thing about it is it's the topic that is most likely going to get our department destroyed for a couple of years in the media. And it's the simplest conversation. I think you, you just brought up an interesting point, Stephanie, and you talk about just sometimes if, if a training is so far-fetched that it loses its power, it's the same thing as a policy, right? If you have a policy that you know no one enforces, that undermines every other policy, right? Because just the fabric of your policy book, then it is, is not worth the paper it's printed on. And so there, you, it's, it's not going through the motions, right? It, it's having realistic training and realistic policies. And if you've got a policy on the book, it, it take the, the topic of the day away, but if you have a policy on the book that no one follows and it's antiquated, then get rid of it because it's undermining every single other thing you're doing. And so if you think, now coming back to the topic of the day, is that if you think by checking the box with the six to eight hours of online training, that that's, then we're good. No, that's just as laughable. Um, and in this case, the, the fear of the, the news cycle should be real, but also, look, I, I'm the president of my local. I'm a lieutenant in the county. Uh, I'd like to think that people call me a brother, but I'm a dad. A little girl turns 13 next week. Mm. And so on a visceral level, that, sh that plays to an awful lot of us, right? Is that would you stand for this if this is your daughter coming through the door? And so have those realistic conversations and say, yeah, I, I am going to check some of that conversation. It's a different Be, measuring stick. Being being big brother, if not dad, big brother. You don't want you wouldn't want your sister treated like that. Right, right. And I and I would also say is that we've been focusing because uh, we introduced this as a discussion about sexual harassment and and we've been kind of focusing specifically on uh, male male and female, but. As our service has evolved and really starts to look like the citizens we serve, we absolutely have young firefighters, old firefighters, homosexual firefighters, straight firefighters, bisexual firefighters, white firefighters, black firefighters, Asian firefighters. And so harassment in any form, right, is the same level of um, difficulty in those conversations the, tell you what, if you're, if it's if it's if it feels awkward to say it, it probably needs to be said in that sense because you're going to break through these same types of barriers 
to realize maybe you're not as insulated as you once thought like you were. When you start hearing these stories, you're like, wow, I just didn't know that it was occurring here. And I'm, I, I don't I want to allow that to stand. So one, um, it's funny that you talk about being insulated. Um, I'm, I'm at a firehouse right now where there are three of us all born in the year 1985. So we, we, and we're all, uh, either parents are about to be parents. So we're all kind of on the same playing field of life. So we're all close friends. And one of them, um, was driving me on the medicine at the other, a couple months ago. And we were just having a conversation and uh, it was, I think, a, a rare, quiet day, and I don't know how it came up, but it was just a verbal vomit of stories and just the look on this poor guy's face. Um, I think we had heard something, and, and he was surprised, and I, I said, no, <laughs> no here's, here's what can happen. Um, but the funny thing about all of that was when he and I had that conversation, he started watching. Um, and it's not that these guys don't watch out for me. I, I think if you walk into my firehouse and you, you say something to me that they don't appreciate, I, I don't think I'll even get the chance to open my mouth and defend myself. I think they'll drag you into the bay. Um, it's, it's a close knit group, but when you bring a certain awareness level to it, I think guys realize it's still going on and, and they watch and, uh, it, it has hysterical results. Hi, uh, about a week or two ago, we were on a call and a, a male that I rarely have interaction with that doesn't really work in my area came up and he put his hand on my lower back. And when I say my lower back, I mean the area where my significant other would put his hand on my back to guide me through a room, not the area where you, you're putting your hand on anyone's back at work. And I was fuming, um, but I, I continued on with the call. And at the end of the call, I got in the unit and I looked at him. And before I could even say anything, he said, I'm sorry, did so-and-so just put their hand where I saw them put their hand? And I guarantee, had we not had that conversation, he wouldn't have started watching male interaction more closely. And as a result, it went from sheer anger to hysterical laughing and, okay, you know, what are we gonna do about this situation? And talking about it versus me being pissed off for the rest of the night and me potentially screwing up on a call because I'm, I'm now really annoyed by something that happened. It may have absolutely been a mistake because I was in turnout gear. Absolutely could have been innocent. Um, still shouldn't have been touching me, but you know, he could have thought I was taller than I was or something. But it now having that coworker watching interactions between me and other people gave me an outlet to feel like I had more power to make a decision of how to handle that situation. Um, and know that if that ever happens again, I'm gonna have someone behind me saying, no, she's not crazy. This person keeps doing this. So now that she's gonna handle it, if I ever feel the need to, I've got this person who's, who's now a witness to everything that's been going on. And it's, it's a game changer for females mentally knowing other people are are behind them saying, no, they're not imagining things. They're not exaggerating. They're not, because unfortunately as females, we can be our own worst enemies. Sometimes we can walk into firehouses having read the news and saying, all right, everyone's out to get me. And there are females who, who will act like that, unfortunately. And so when some do speak out, it's kind of shut down as that, oh, you're, you're taking things too literally, too far, whatever. Um, 
So just making your male coworkers aware, sorry for the long diatribe, it's great. You can kind of sit back and let them start to take the lead on defending you. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a great feeling. And that goes to the communication, being able to actually be open and not having to internalize this like you may have earlier on. And then, you know, like Mitch said, you know, your daughter treating you like, you know, your daughter, you know, his daughter. And just, yeah, like you said, watching, having them watch out for you. You have to worry about it. Like, they'll take care of you. They'll defend you. They'll fight for you. Make sure nobody screws with you. That's how it should be. What I'll say, too, is that um, that education that was afforded to her partner in a conversation returning from the hospital is more powerful than that required training, right? Because it, it did, it, it hones your skill to start looking at things, but it also, and I found myself in this situation where realizing that my actions, just my verbal actions, the way I carry myself, the way I, I do something, I, I was joking with uh, uh, my, one of my newest interns, we went into the hospital and I, I pointed out, I said, Hey, you know, when you're, we got to get the nurse's name when you're transitioning the patient over, you can look at the top corner of their computer screen to get their name to write down in your pad. You don't have to stare at their chest where they keep their ID pad, right? Or their um, their ID. It, but that came out of recognizing that though that's all I was doing when I was coming into the hospital was, okay, it's so-and-so. Well, guess what? You don't want to be perceived that way, but I never would have even thought that I would have until I was educated, right? Until I had heard the, the horror stories of being um, com- just... Um, uh, visually assaulted in that way to, to just check myself even to be careful about my own actions or my own tone um, and how that can then affect everyone else around me. When, and Mitch, when I called you to talk to you about this, um, you shared a, a kind of funny story. You said, it, it's shocking to me how many people in this stage and age still get, I'm going to go ahead and say it, get dick pics. And we kind of laughed about it, but I told you a story that will always impact my career. Um, I was having issues with a male that was not in my department, but just um, a a guy doing that. I think I was about 20 or 21 years old. And and my driver said, why are you tired? I said, this person keeps texting me at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning. And, uh, And I told him what happened. And he said, either you handle this or I'll handle this, or the captain will handle this. And just once again, that affirmation of, okay, I'm not being dramatic with, uh, when I go to be a jackass to this person and tell them, hey, you're about to get smacked down really hard if you don't leave me alone. I think women struggle with feeling dramatic. Um, And I don't know if it's our biology or society around us or whatever, but having guys raising their hands saying, no, that, that's, that's, you, you really shouldn't, dick pics are not normal. You should not be having someone text you that. You would be surprised in the beginning of my career, the females around me and me, that was a normal thing. So I always gauge where my career was 10 to 12 years ago is probably what women are going through now, potentially in departments that are just hiring their first crop of women. Um, 
and I know I've already made this point, but I'm making it again because it's such an important point. Having a guy standing behind you saying, you are not being dramatic. This is your basic human right to protect your sanity. You're getting these unwanted things. Uh, it's okay to kick and scream about that and tell a person to go, go proverbially F themselves. Um, and that was just a great thing to have happen early on in my career was to learn that, no, you're, you're allowed to, to kick a little when people aren't respecting your space. Well, in, in that discussion too, I, I think I learned, and it's funny, I, I um, listened to the podcast that you all did um, about um, reproductive rights and policies in the fire service. And an interesting point was raised in that discussion about how it's constantly then putting it back on the female to be the one that develops the policy or that, that does the legwork. It's like, really, is that the best way to do this? It's almost the same thing here. We should, do we have to educate the female to be the one to, you know, be strong and stand up? Instead, educate me that this is occurring so that I can say this, that is not going to occur. You know, so it's, there's two things. One, I can back you up if you were, if you were saying something, if you're acting and say, I've got your back. But I also can be proactive, even absent that, and just saying, no, this environment's not going to be, it shouldn't always be put back on, um, the victim or, you know, to, to actually have to stand up for themselves to just stop it before it starts. But the first step to that is understanding that it's going on. And, and again, realistic discussions to say, this is not a lawsuit that you're reading about in California. This is occurring, unfortunately, in almost every single department that hires a female. And I can never understand that because I never went through that. Um, God, I feel like we're leaving poor Jim out of this conversation. Um, at the end of the day, we all want the rigs, no matter uh, if you want women in the fire department, if you don't, if you don't want people of, of, if you don't want anything other than generic white males in the fire department, the one thing you do want is when your rig arrives on scene, no matter how biased, how whatever you are, you want your rig to perform. You do not want your crew to be that crew that everyone's going to go back to their kitchen table and, and completely trash and bitch about because they didn't perform. And I think another thing that's very vital is we've talked about just the kind of the lighter side of things of how oh, we went one step too far with, um, with a joke at the kitchen table or something like that. But another side of it that we really don't ever bring out into the light is what happens when someone who has power over your career is quid pro quoing you? And I think because we don't talk about that, um, I think people would be shocked to see that when it happens. And we'd be amiss if we didn't in this conversation talk about being, being more cognizant, cognizant of that and watching women and seeing when they're uncomfortable around someone um, in their battalion or their firehouse or whatever and noticing odd behavior and then noticing the female's performance on calls beginning to slip. Um, I'll just I go ahead and tell a war story. I've been trying not to tell too many, um, but I had that happen at one point in my career where it was someone who who had supervisory power over my career. And um, I 
because they were a very popular person, I just, I didn't discuss it with anyone. I thought I can handle this on my own. I've known this person for forever. I will deal with this. It will get dealt with, it will go away. Um, and didn't say a word to anyone I was close with. And the, the negative side of that was because it didn't go away and it got worse and it went on for so long, it started affecting my career. It started affecting um, this person's responsibilities in my career. And it started affecting my performance on calls when this person showed up. And then that affects the entire firehouse that affects the entire team. Um, and that's just, that's when things can go horrifically wrong is when we have someone so uncomfortable by the scene that they're on that they can't even pay attention to what they need to be doing. We're not, we're not hanging traffic lights. You know, we're, we're in the business of life or death, not to be dramatic. I mean, most days we're slapping band-aids on people and picking up drunks. But when the shit hits the fan, the shit hits the fan. And this side of it is something that needs to be a serious conversation of, hey, we can potentially fail at our mission um, if one person is being incredibly stupid and this person can't hold up their weight as a result because just the psychological beatdown of not knowing when someone can destroy your career because you're not giving them what they want can happen that's just that's devastating and that is something we we never talk about so that's something I have started to kind of um very blandly educate the guys I'm close with about is hey pay attention to these little signs and symptoms um, and that's jumping really into into mental health as well because it's it's the same signs as many other things but um God, when we go so far that, that the rigs going out the door are affected, shame on us for not having that conversation in a realistic way. Yeah, I tell you what, recognizing is one thing. And the only way you recognize is through education like this. A conversation like this is the education portion. But then it's having uh, the courage to speak up, right? And, and, and maybe you, you miss the mark. And now you've got egg on your face because in, in reality, it was just a, well, no, I'm just, haven't been feeling well at home, not sleeping because the kid's up and I'm just, okay. But you've got to have the courage to, to, to miss that mark. Because if you don't, if, if it is real, what you, what you are recognizing is a true issue that, that matters, right? Your, your action to talk to that person um, is important, right? It's not enough to recognize you actually have to act. And the longer you wait, and let things go and go and go it gives them the idea that this is fine and they can continue to do that and probably push even further and further it becomes a normalized behavior so you need to be able to check that early on and stop there before it progresses and i and it sounds like you know You've learned so much throughout the years just because of having to go through all this stuff. You know, I know the Stephanie now wouldn't, I don't think would take shit from anybody, you know, but yeah, it took a while to get to that point. Is that fair to say? Believe it or not, that story was actually in the past um, two years because my poor uh, better half had to deal with it a little bit. And I think that's very important to state 
um, because what do you do when you're put in a situation where someone you would never expect and that is very popular and very well loved, suddenly you're faced with the potential of being the person to bring down someone popular. I mean, God, talk about, talk about weight on your chest. Talking about, you'll never be spoken to again. You'll never be dealt with again. But on the other side of that, well, is this person going to go do this to another female, a younger female, someone who doesn't even have my ridiculously loud personality? Um, and that's the weight. I, I'm not going to say women, anyone being discriminated against or anyone being harassed is, is put under is, do I choose my sanity um, by doing this? Do I protect future people? Or do I face the scrutiny potentially of the department by bringing down someone popular? And that's just a shitty place to be. Um, but now that I've completely brought down the conversation with something ridiculous and heavy, not ridiculous, but incredibly heavy, I think the one thing I want to make sure everyone walks away with in this conversation is um, that I told that story because I didn't bring anyone in on that at all. I brought people in at the end of the situation when it finally, I think it went on for like eight months. It was, it was bad. Um, but I brought people in, you know, a year or two later who now watch out for me and watch over it. Um, but that situation compared to the first situation I told you, I mean, the first situation, it, it didn't affect my job, didn't affect how I acted on calls because I knew had so many people behind me. And when as women or anyone being discriminated against, when we don't tell people what's going on, you're carrying this huge and heavy burden by yourself and you're not gonna function at peak performance. And that's why it's so important to watch out for these things because in every situation where men have either brought themselves into it or I've brought someone in, those things have been, um, I hate to say amazing because it's probably the wrong word, but those guys have taken those potentially horrible situations and made my faith in coworkers even stronger than it was before. Because it's just, there is nothing more amazing than having your crew go to bat for you. And that's what I think we need to be focusing on is there are ugly stories out there and we have the power to make even better stories than those stories are ugly by having more conversations. This has probably been the least giggled filled conversation I've ever had with Mitch. Not that Mitch giggles, he does not. Um, it, it's, it's a heavy, awkward topic. What do, you, what do you do talking about something like this? You're not, you're gonna be treading weirdly and not have the jokes, but it's just like Mitch said, we're starting to reflect the people we serve. We're getting such a diverse work group coming in. It's time it's, to time to be a little awkward. It's about doing the right thing and treating people with respect. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Treat people how you would want to be treated, you know, and and stand up for what's right. Stand up for people, and just don't let this shit go down. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, because this is, you know, this we we're just talking about your situation this is there's 
how many fire departments are there out there? I mean, this is something that isn't talked about. And I'm glad that fire engineering gives me a platform to discuss this and put this out. And I hope it gets traction just like some of the, you know, our last show that we did as well. That's stuff that we, we just don't talk about. It needs to be talked about. I'll even go as far as saying, you know, I'm sure when Bobby watches it, he's going to go, Stephanie, I think you should write an article about this. And also I need a proposal so you can come to Indianapolis and talk about this at FDIC because it is a message that needs to be spread. And this is just one platform, but there's other platforms that, that you can use to get out there as far as really, I mean, more than just this country, it's beyond that. So basically I just assigned you a bunch of homework to do. Thanks. Sorry. I heard you can't have expletives in articles, so I might be out on that one. There's going to be a lot of red little lines going through that one. You caught yourself earlier very well. I was impressed. Right, Mitch? Yeah. So how about both of you? Let's let's do a take-home message. And I know you, you've already touched a lot about that stuff, but just really what's the next step in all this stuff? Where can we go? Where can we, what can we do to help um, prevent these situations or mitigate them much earlier on? So you're able to have your career and concentrate on your career and just be a firefighter, not deal with this extra baggage that, you know, is because of your, your orientation or your, your sex or whatever it may be. Um, well, I'm going to round out my conversation by starting a completely another conversation, which is the death of the kitchen table, right? Um, we're starting to see that people who once, oh, when went, <laughs> well, people once, uh, when you went to move, yeah, you know, your entire shift would be right there. And now most people can't get their shift to come help them with stuff, or we don't hang out. Uh, and that's an entirely new conversation, but the death of the kitchen, the kitchen table, um, is really a big part of this, I think. And when we sit down at that kitchen table and we get to know each other and we get to trust each other, which is what we're supposed to be doing anyway before we run into a burning building or before we're doing a crew operation on someone's dead dad and trying to make them not a passed away dad, right? We're supposed to be performing at peak optimal levels, which is where that kitchen table comes in. And just having conversations and learning our coworkers, and even if I don't respect you, respecting the job enough to say, I don't wish stress and bad things on this person. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch out for them. I'm gonna make sure I don't stress them out. And I'm gonna watch out when I notice them being a little squirrely around other people. And I'm gonna, maybe if I don't like you, I'm gonna sign the person who does like you and get along really well with you to have a conversation with you. It's about caring about those rigs when they go out the door and setting the tone before we do that. Perfect. The, the only thing I'd offer in closing, because I can't, I can't sit here and, and spew a, a smoking gun or, or act like I have a bunch of success in this realm. The only thing I can say is be vulnerable and honest enough to say you don't know what you don't know, be open to these discussions, have an ear to listen, but really listen, right? Don't just hear, but listen, uh, or listen, but not hear, but actually actively do that. And 
then act accordingly. I mean, you, you, you said it earlier, is that this is just treat others the way you would want to be treated, right? And so it really is that simple, but actually do that. Don't just give it lip service. Um, but I, mean, I would certainly challenge anyone in the fire service to have these uncomfortable conversations and grow from them, right? The, the, the first step, though, is being honest that these things exist and then also having the integrity to say that you're not okay with that. Very nicely said, both of you. Thank you so much. So um, I'll put in uh, for this on the fire engineering, I'll put in both of you guys' email if anybody has any questions to reach out to you. Um, but heavy topic, but it's something that nobody talks about. And that's the problem. If we talked about this stuff, I think it makes things a lot easier for everybody. So um, I hope some individuals out there take this stuff to heart and um, are better off because of it. That's, that's the whole point regarding all this stuff is we need to get out there. We need to talk about this. We need to gather attention and we need to evolve. You know, we've done so much and so many areas that I can think of in this fire service that I've been on in 21 years. Uh, and this is something that needs to catch up quite simply. So with that, she's Stephanie, he's Mitch, and I don't know whose dog that is, but uh, we're out of time and I'll be back on here next month. So thank both of you so much. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for the platform, Jim.